there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies and TV shows. That we do. That we do. And this week we're talking about one of my favorite shows. We're going to talk about Doctor Who, but a very specific era of Doctor Who. We're going to talk about David Tennant's era as the Doctor. David Tennant is by far my favorite Doctor. Before we ever did this podcast, I tried to introduce Scott to the show Doctor Who, but I started legit from the beginning with the Ninth Doctor. For those of you who don't know, David Tennant is the Tenth Doctor. So I foolishly started with season one with the Ninth Doctor, who was played by Christopher Eccleston. And that was a mistake because Scott was not into it. No, I think maybe now if I go back and watch it, maybe I'll be more into it. I think so. The Doctor Who franchise is immense and very timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, full of sci-fi goodness. So if you're not into sci-fi, perhaps you should skip this episode because it could be confusing. But I still wanted to show Scott Doctor Who because I feel like he still could really appreciate it. So I was like, let me just start with my heyday, my golden age of Doctor Who, which was David Tennant. I already knew David Tennant. I knew him from Jessica Jones. Right. And we also talked about him on this show before when we did Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Yeah. He was just by far the best doctor in my opinion he was even voted by the fans as being the best doctor in a radio times poll in 2020 so he's still considered generally speaking the best doctor yeah you take that tom baker (laughs) oh no tom baker's cool too so doctor who was a british sci-fi television show that was very big it was on from 1963 to 1989 and then In 2005, it had a big resurgence. It was brought back by executive producer and head writer Russell T. Davies, who was the showrunner during David Tennant's tenure as the Doctor. And he also created uh, the two big spinoffs of Doctor Who, which were Torchwood and the Sarah Jane Adventures. So this guy is very into Doctor Who, and it shows by the awesome fucking storylines and episodes the doctor is this alien man he's the last of the time lords of the planet gallifrey and he's this alien superhero basically and he goes through time and space traveling with one or two human companions and saves some people and aliens along the way and fucks it up a little along the way sometimes you know once in a blue it's fine (laughs) But uh, Russell T. Davies didn't even audition anyone for the role of the Doctor after the Ninth Doctor's one season on the show. He knew immediately that he wanted David Tennant in the role. He thought he'd be perfect for it. And David Tennant loved the original Doctor Who show as a kid, so he was all on board. His only stipulation was that he get a quote-unquote long, swishy coat, which he did. (laughs) So... Like we've been doing when we have talked about TV shows in the past, I think we're just going to try to just have a extemporaneous conversation and touch on different storylines and things that we really liked, things that we didn't. 
uh, Scott watching it for the first time and me rewatching it after quite a while because my thing was as much as I love Doctor Who, especially David Tennant's Doctor Who, there are some real emotional moments that as an emotional ass bitch, I was dreading to revisit. <laughs> I shed a few tears, but it's fine. I'm okay now and I'm ready to discuss. But Scott, before we kind of crack open this nut here, why don't you explain to the peoples your general thoughts on your experiences watching seasons two through four of Doctor Who. So, David Tennant really has this wise-ass persona down. And it's very funny because he actually adapts a little as each season goes along because he has a new companion each season. But there's something about him. You want to root for him. I like the wise-assness. I like the stupid pop culture references he makes. He genuinely seems like he's having a good time. But he does have such a great range of emotion, too. Especially when you get to certain things like the last episode, which was, like, devastating. To, like, the anger he shows at other times when he's fighting a giant red spider. Yeah. <laughs> Every role I've ever seen him in, he just kind of draws you into that role. I really liked what he did with the character. There's so much to talk about. Yeah, I think at least in the States... David Tennant is kind of underrated as far as his je ne sais quoi. But yeah, he's just got that... He's one of those actors that just has that charm that can kind of bring something unique to any role he's in. What you were saying about the Doctor's personality, though, it's interesting because each Doctor kind of has similarities throughout their personality, but there's also differences that set them apart. But the through line, I think, for the most part, is their sarcasm and, and wit David Tennant certainly has that in spades, but he also, the biggest word I would say to distinguish his doctor is just compassion. Like he balances the smartness and compassion incredibly well because it goes very heavy on both sides, but it still feels like the same person, well, if that yeah, makes sense. It does. Uh, he also has a manic energy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The 11th doctor who comes after this played by Matt Smith. He kind of has that too, but he's more like silly and doofy while David Tennant is more like sharp. And the thing is like rewatching David Tennant's doctor who made me want to rewatch Matt Smith because when I watched it the first time immediately when D Matt Smith started I did not like Matt Smith because he wasn't David Tennant that's just how I felt because David Tennant was my fave and I was really upset when he left so I immediately hated Matt Smith which I feel like a lot of people felt like that probably but I feel like now that I've revisited it I feel like some of my thoughts on tenants who have changed. So I feel like moving in, if I did move on to Matt Smith, I would feel very differently about Matt Smith's Doctor Who. I don't know. I might have to revisit that at some point. But I did want to mention also, because Scott mentioned that uh, the Doctor has the human companions and David Tennant had a different companion every season. So before I ask Scott the million dollar question here, let me just introduce you guys to our three companion candidates here okay we have the season two companion which is rose tyler played by billy piper we have martha jones who is season three she's played by freema adjaman and we have donna noble season four played by katherine tate so scott <laughs> uh, how would you rate our three companions rose i liked rose the best overall rose i think 
played really well off the doctor. His craziness followed by her compassion was a very good balance and they struck it very well. It was kind of sad when she left. Yes, but I did tell you that she would be back. Yes, and she was. Because when Rose left, I said, don't worry, she'll be back. And she didn't come back for like at least another season. So I think Scott just forgot that I said that because eventually when she does come back, like we, we were separated. We were watching the episode separately for the most part. So out of nowhere one day, Scott just like rushes up to me and he's like, oh my God. I'm like, why? He's like, she's back. I'm like, I told you she was coming back. You'll be back. Soon you'll see. You remember you belong to me. But anyway, continue with your assessment. Martha started great. And I really did like Martha. I think they got a little too bogged down with making her be in love with the doctor and the doctor not loving her. I think Martha is a great character. I don't like that she ends up with fucking Benny. Mickey. Mickey, whatever the fuck his name is. (laughs) Don't be so mean to Mickey. (laughs) Mickey, listen, okay, Mickey is a character who was kind of a companion of the doctor, but really he was just Rose's boyfriend at the time when she started traveling with the doctor, and he just got fucked over good okay like he got really was treated very badly and he found happiness at the end with martha jones okay just be happy for mickey i didn't like mickey i never i liked mickey i felt bad for mickey no i don't and then you had donna i was surprised at how strongly you reacted to donna and not in a good way i do not like donna noble and the fact that they made donna the linchpin of this entire series. Oh boy. We're going to get there. Don't worry. <laughs> drives me insane because she is the most infuriating character. Is it just her voice? It's everything about her. <laughs> it's so terrible. Her voice? Cuz she does yell a lot. Like she she kind of not it's not a pleasant sound. The her first, yelling. The first time we were introduced to her, I'm like, "Okay, Maybe she'll get better because it's a, it was a one-off. I think she did get better. But it's and then when she shows up again and her and the doctor see each other from across the room and they're both outside different windows pointing at each other like that oh, was you quite got, Yeah, you got to admit the her reintroduction in season 4 cuz she was introduced in like a random episode going into season three and then she came back as a full-time companion in season 4. So you got to admit her return Her return was better. Yeah. Yes. But it's just, you clearly don't get how this world works. (laughs) Let me give you my assessment of the companions, and then we'll kind of do a deep dive uh, season by season here. So my favorite companion, both the first time watching the show and the rewatch, is Rose Tyler. I love Rose so much. I want to be Rose. Like, she is cool as fuck. I love her. She's one of my favorite characters in TV ever of all time. Rose is my favorite because a lot of her storyline with the doctor revolves around the fact that they have this crazy, awesome romantic chemistry with each other. And I loved that. But also, she was just a badass character. She was a totally like normal girl. And she's kind of thrust into this crazy situation and she adapts and she uses her wits. She's not a super powered being in any way. She's just a brave, kick-ass girl. 
like that it's kind of similar to what we were saying when we were talking about indiana jones and marion ravenwood she's not like a fucking black widow style super duper crazy fighter she can't she's not particularly special in any way but she still has this incredible bravery and kick-assness that cannot be beat so that's why i love rose now the first time i watched this show my number two was donna and my number three was martha because martha annoyed the fuck out of me and i think it's similar to why i didn't like matt smith after david Tennant left i just automatically didn't like martha because rose was gone re-watching it i do like martha's character more I agree with you completely, Scott, that they bogged it down too much and made it too much about that she's in love with the doctor and the doctor doesn't love her. I wish that they didn't focus so much on that. I, I think that she is a better character than Donna, though. Also, because this because this time around, Donna did annoy me more than I thought she was going to. I'll, although I do think she got better as time went on and less annoying. Her voice was kind of annoying and she was always whining about something. <laughs> she literally comes back in the first episode of season four, which is actually one of my favorite episodes. Like yeah. it's probably it's definitely in my top twenty, if not my top ten episodes. It, it's it's her best episode. For sure. Because it's got the adipose yeah. creatures, which is the little fat creatures, the little cute fat creatures. The which, marshmallows. Yeah. Which they've made a lot of uh, merch from that, well, for the sure. Sh- what a shock. <laughs> yeah. Because they're like little cute squishy fat monsters. I'm like, oh. But then, like, I believe it's the second episode of season four where the Doctor and Donna travel to Pompeii on the day that Vesuvius erupts and just it seemed like too much with her she was just very histrionic and it just kind of came because the first episode of season four we established her as okay this is not going to be a romantic connection between them they're just going to be buddies and she's going to be comic relief and everything's going to be wonderful and lighthearted and fun and then we go into the second episode and people are fucking dying left and right and she's just hysterical screaming at the doctor save someone i'm like oh my god this is okay we need like a progression to get here oh she was the most adversarial with the doctor yeah because the other two were like madly in love with him so even still like if you had the pompeii episode with rose rose would understand oh yeah i'm saving the world by killing a hundred thousand people right and Donna was just, like, so adamant that, like, oh, he has to try and save everyone. I'm like, but Pompeii happened. Right. You know Pompeii happened. It's a fixed point in time. It's going to happen. So before we get all caught up in the end of David Tennant time, let's go back to the beginning and kind of try to make our way downtown walking fast. So we get our introduction to the doctor at the... Technically, it's the very last episode of season one. We immediately get some fun-ass lines. He just emerges from the TARDIS after being, like, basically useless for most of the episode. He's, like, asking Rose if he's a ginger or not. Yeah, he has a thing against gingers. Well, no, he wants to be ginger. Oh, he wants to yes, be ginger. because literally at the very end when he regenerates into Matt Smith, spoilers, that's the first thing he says. He, like, pulls down his hair and he's like... Ah, oh, still not ginger. Oh, okay. Another great line that I love and always makes me laugh is the alien of the week that they're fighting or whatever in this episode. When David Tennant emerges from the TARDIS, 
he's like, I demand to know who you are. And the doctor mimics his like booming voice. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea who I am. I just know I'm the doctor. So shut the fuck up. But a great thing I think about David Tennant's doctor that really I think sets him apart from any other doctor is his ability to give a fucking speech. Oh yeah, he does it. My God, the speeches, bro. And it starts right away. In this episode, he has a great speech about how he's going to defend the earth with everything he has. It just, it hits you different. (laughs) It really does. Look at these people, these human beings. Consider their potential. From the day they arrive on the planet and blinking step into the sun, there is more to see than can ever be seen. More to do than... No, hold on. Sorry, that's the Lion King. The most important thing that happens in that episode is that while he's fighting this alien, the alien chops off David Tennant's hand. And because he's still kind of going through the end stages of regeneration, his hand just grows back. And it's like, hmm... That's interesting. I wonder if that will come back later as being a major plot device. <laughs> Gee, I wonder. Wink, wink. But yeah, it's a great introduction for him because it immediately establishes that he is still the doctor, even though he's got a different face. But um, the main, I guess, through line of season two is the doctor and Rose developing their relationship. And that's why I. I think I liked season two the best because even though it has crazy timey-wimey stuff, the core of it is the Doctor and Rose's relationship. You can just feel the chemistry coming off of them. Like there's one point where the Doctor is lowering himself down into this pit of despair, basically. And he said, if anything happens, just tell Rose dot dot dot. Oh, she knows. And then keeps going. I'm like, no, no, she doesn't know. Well, that's the other thing. Doctor Who, throughout all these seasons, there are some great villains. The fucking Daleks actually look really cool in this. The Weeping Angels. The Cybermen looked really weird looking and cool. And then, like, the Ood. The, I like the way the Ood looked, too. Yeah, the, the effects and the prosthetics throughout the show, it's very hit or miss, I feel like. I feel like it depends on if they decided to use CGI or not. If they made it practically and they brought it back, they were pretty good. Like, the Daleks showed up a bunch of times. The Ood showed up a bunch of times. They looked good. But then you got, like, the devil. The de- yeah, like, I mean, it's basically the devil. And that's another great speech with him, too. It's interesting because they have this kind of back and forth in regards to religion and faith and science. And it has that pull back and forth. But then at the end the doctor ultimately kind of leans on faith but not just like religion like faith in rose because he says if i believe in anything ever i believe in her and it's like oh it hits different it just hits you man it's always the case with a lot of sci-fi is when is science the right answer first when is faith and religion and god the right answer and those two ideologies always seem to clash throughout history and it's sci-fi just likes to poke fun at religion. And a lot of times, this show does do that because it's like, oh, we're a sci-fi show. So our villains, especially our bigger, badder villains, tend to have religious leanings. But what I love about the show, is, especially in season two, is that it does balance that sci-fi with 
the relationship between Doctor and Rose really well. And the, the main crux of the problem really is that he doesn't want to admit how much he really loves her because they can never really have a real relationship. He even says at one point, you can spend the rest of your life with me, but I can't spend the rest of my life with you. Yeah, that's the crux of the because issue. Because I'm an alien and I don't die. So this is this is the problem. You even kind of get that feeling when Sarah Jane comes back into the picture because Sarah Jane, who was the subject of one of the spinoffs, the Sarah Jane Adventures, Obvi. So she was a companion of the Doctors in the OG series. And in the beginning of season two, she meets back up with David Tennant's Doctor. You can feel the emotion between them because it's like, We used to be best buddies. And now we're not. I wish you would tell me why. Well, yeah, it's like there's still a spark there. There's another character in season four who also had a relationship with the doctor. Oh, River, right. And it's kind of the reverse because she knows what the doctor is to become. Right. She knows a future version of the doctor, which ends up being Matt Smith's version. So we meet her soon enough, but... Yeah, that was really sad. It's more sad watching it when you know what's coming. It was cool for you, but I'm sure if you ever do watch Matt Smith's version of The Doctor and you see what River and him did to get, like, it's it's even more. It's just sad. We also never found out why the Queen was shooting at them. Queen Elizabeth the First! Doctor! What? My sworn enemy. What? Off with his head! What? Oh, we find that out much later. <laughs> In season three, the fucking queen, I forget what queen, some fucking queen of England comes in and starts chasing the doctor and wanting to kill him. And no, we don't know why. And we don't find out why until years later. So, yeah. Damn. I, I've, I'm sorry. I totally forgot about that. At one point I had, I wrote it down like, okay, I guess we're going to figure that out at some point. Right? Nope. Not for a while. So it, the last episode of season two, which was, I think, probably the first time rewatching this that I got teary eyed. And I put off watching it forever. I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> Scott was like, I'm way ahead of you. You know that, right? I'm like, yes, I know. I don't want to watch this episode because it's going to make me cry. <laughs> season two ends with a lot of shit happening. Okay. Daleks are here. Cybermen are here. Alternate universes. It's crazy shit. But basically, the fucking season ends with Rose is trapped in another world, an, an alternate universe, and she can't be with the Doctor anymore. But the Doctor kind of finagles away as the walls between universes are closing. There's this like one empty spot that's still open a little bit. So he kind of sneaks in so he can say goodbye to her. He's not even really there. It's like a projection of himself. So they're saying their goodbyes. She's crying. She says that she loves him. <laughs> and then it's like the fucking most heart-wrenching thing in Doctor Who history, I feel like, anyway, that I've experienced Doctor Who. He's standing there and he says, well, this is my last chance to say it. Here it goes. Rose Tyler. And then the fucking projection goes out. You see Rose break down and it cuts back to David Tennant in the TARDIS. And he's got one lonely Jim Halpert tear just streaming down his face. And I'm just like, no, are you fucking kidding me? Even like watching it again, it was just terrible. It was awful. But what I like about 
the writing throughout this era of Doctor Who and David Tennant as a performer in the episodes to come like it's not just he gets over it and moves on like there's a good chunk of time afterwards where he's mourning Rose like even though she's alive and well he's mourning her and it's just so fucking sad (laughs) as it goes on it becomes more subtle because time's passing and you just gotta you know kind of like let it go to a certain extent because you got people to save things to do but you can still like feel it kind of a weight on his shoulders like that she's gone and I again I think that's why when Martha Jones came on the scene in season three I immediately didn't like her (laughs) because she immediately like fell for the doctor and I'm like bitch you're not Rose like go away (laughs) yeah season three was like one of the most interesting seasons with Martha because I felt like they've were a lot more comfortable with let's just kind of fuck around and see what happens because in this season they have the angel episode yes which is starring carrie mulligan yes who is basically the whole episode is through carrie mulligan's eyes which is awesome by the way there's quite a few celebrity cameos here on doctor who most of them i think before they got famous oh yeah like, there's Anthony Head from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We had Shirley Henderson, who was moaning Myrtle in Harry Potter. We had, I'm going to say this wrong, so I'm sorry, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, who most recently was just in the Loki series on Disney+, Plus, which, by the way, was fucking awesome. Yes, it was. But she played Martha's sister, and I totally forgot that she played Martha's sister. So when she popped up in the beginning of season three, I'm like... Is that her? Oh my god, I totally forgot. I freaked out. It was so great. We had Tom Ellis, who plays Lucifer. We have Peter Capaldi, who ends up playing the 12th Doctor down the road. Interesting. (laughs) Timothy Dalton was in here. James Bond himself. Yes. But my favorite, by far, had to be Andrew Garfield. Yeah. He was in a two-part episode stint in season three but my favorite part of his character the episodes take place in manhattan in like i think the 30s or something and he has the fucking (laughs) most hilarious southern accent it's not bad by any stretch it's just funny because (laughs) like you're so used to andrew garfield either doing an american accent or just you know being his normal british self so like seeing him do a southern accent it was like hilarious to me yeah it was it was pretty funny it's just it's just funny seeing him here but i guess you know doctor who was such a big fucking series that's like yeah of course you want to be on fucking doctor who but yeah the weeping angel episode i was bringing up because it's such a twisted around episode they're talking to the doctor from the future but it turns out that the only reason the doctor had this information to begin with is because at the end of the episode, she gives the doctor the information to give her back. Right. Him. It's very back to the futurey, which is why I love it. The Weeping Angel episode, which is when the Weeping Angels were actually introduced into the Doctor Who lore. Uh, it's called Blink, and it's actually the highest rated episode in David Tennant's tenure. Oh, it's creepy as fuck. It, it, it really is. But Carrie Mulligan does a fucking great job, obviously, because she's Carrie Mulligan. Weeping angels are such an interesting idea because they're, they're statues. But they're statues that move when you're not looking at them, which is always like a thing. Everyone's like, did that statue move? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Season three is different from season two in that it doesn't focus as much on the relationship between the Doctor and Martha. It really does focus on sci-fi stuff more, but also it kind of establishes a 
main storyline from the beginning that kind of goes throughout the whole season and then obviously crescendos at the very end. Uh, yes, because the main storyline is the introduction of our other villain that shows up multiple times, the Master. Yes, the Master. He, he's a big, big baddie. Okay, so here's here's how we're going to start this. First, I feel like in order to introduce this storyline, I have to talk about the face of Bo. The face of Bo is this gigantic humanoid head alien thing that even the doctor doesn't fully know like what it is, but he is like the oldest creature in the universe. He communicates telepathically with the doctor. He's a very mysterious being. In season three, in like the very beginning of the season, the face of Bo actually dies. And his last words to the doctor before he dies, he says, you are not alone. And that is a big deal to the doctor, obviously, because as far as he knows, he is the last of the Time Lords. He is the only one left of their entire race of aliens. He is the last chip in the bag. Yes. <laughs> Later on in the season, towards the end, that little nugget eventually kind of opens the door to the master returning because towards the end of the season, we get the return of another really important character throughout the series, Jack Harkness. He also is a character that showed up in season one, but he returns here in season three because he has tracked down the doctor using... The doctor's hand. Ah, see, I told you it would come back. And him, the doctor, and Martha travel to this random fucking planet. And they eventually run into the master. But just to explain Jack really quick, because Jack is also like a fucking fascinating character. Yeah. So from what I understood about Jack, Jack showed up in season one. Uh huh. Jack was going to die and Rose saved his life. But he ingested a shit ton of energy and now can never die. Yes, basically that's what happened. So in season one with the ninth doctor, shit was getting real. And Rose ended up looking into the heart of the TARDIS, which the TARDIS, obviously, for those... I mean, if you're still listening at this point, you know what the fucking TARDIS is, okay? It's his fucking spaceship. <laughs> it's a spaceship. It's kind of living. It might be alive. Who knows? Well, yes, there's an implication that, like, you know, the Doctor thinks he's in charge and choosing where we go. But sometimes the TARDIS kind of nudges him in the right direction. But um, Rose looks into the heart of the TARDIS and takes on its power in order to try to save the day. And... Uh, Part of that power is an entity called <clears throat> Bad Wolf. Oh, okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh, oh. uh-huh. So the Bad Wolf basically is possessing Rose. And she huffed and puffed and blew its house down. Essentially, yes. She, she saves the Doctor from this fleet of Daleks, but also the Daleks, I believe, had killed Jack already by that point. But she expends her energy. She brings Jack back to life, but she couldn't control the energy, obviously, because she's just a, a lowly human. So she ends up bringing Jack back to life for good, and he can never die. And Jack is a flirt of flirts. Yes, Jack is a bisexual, romantical fiend. <laughs> Jack will pump anything that moves. Yes. <laughs> That's basically a running joke throughout the whole series. Anytime he says hello to someone, David Dennant's like, no. <laughs> I love the stuff with him and the doctor because after all this happened in season one, the doctor basically saves Rose from the bad wolf and leaves Jack behind because he's like, I know that this is not good, whatever this is going on with you right now, so I'm just going to go. <laughs> Bye. 
See ya. And uh, like literally when they reunite, Jack's like, why did you just leave me? And he's like, because you're a mistake of nature. You should not exist. And he's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks so much. But the, the main thing that happens at this point when they're on this planet together, Jack, Martha, and the doctor, they run into this Professor Yana. You know, he's introduced as this genius professor who's trying to come up with a way to save all these people on this planet, blah, 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 blah. But in reality, he turns out to be a time lord. So when the master is found out, he is immediately shot and he regenerates as the master and he escapes in the doctor's TARDIS. Eventually, our trio catches up with the master and it turns out that he is this politician in present day that has been popping up here and there throughout the season called Harold Saxon. And when they finally catch up with him, Harold Saxon is prime minister now, and he plans on using the Doctor's TARDIS to turn it basically into an apocalypse machine and destroy the whole fucking world. Yeah, he captures the Doctor at one point and shrinks him into a little person. Well, he ages him like 900 years. That's how that's how he becomes a little shrinky-dinky Doctor. <laughs> but he helps Martha to escape because he thinks that she's going to be able to save the world, and of course she does. The, the whole way that this ended the season was weird. Like, they basically have Martha escape from the master and just travel the world and tell stories of the doctor. And then she tells all these people just at this time, the specific time, just think really hard about the doctor and he'll come back to life. It's very like Peter Pan, Tinkerbell-esque. It's kind of (laughs) corny. But it works. Of course it works. Because the doctor being the doctor, he gives like a very strong speech here. He's like, One thing you can't do, stop them thinking. Tell me the human race is degenerate now. When they can do this. And he comes back to life and he's like, I forgive you, master. And I'm like, oh, geez. But then it does get genuinely sad when the master is shot. And, um... The doctor's kind of holding him in his arms because even despite the fact that the master's done all these horrible things, he still wants him to live because he's the only other time lord that exists. He refuses to regenerate and the master supposedly dies in his arms. And somehow David Tennant still manages to make it sad when he dies. (laughs) Well, it's sad only because David Tennant now thinks he is the last of his kind. So it's just a sad thing. Like he loses that part of himself permanently. Because as much as Rose or Martha or Donna or whoever else comes, they're human. They're not going to understand the timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff. But then, just when you think the episode's over and the world is saved and everything is back to normal, we get like the last reveal of that season and it's fucking great. I remember watching this and being like, wait what (laughs) jack is saying goodbye to the doctor and martha and he's going off on his merry way and he asks the doctor so like i'm aging like i know i can't die but i'm slowly aging so like what's that gonna look like you know down the road and he's like i genuinely don't know like you are not a normal person jack i don't know (laughs) like what your deal is bro and jack's like all right well whatever used to be a poster boy when i was a kid living in the boshane peninsula tiny little place 
I was the first one ever to be signed up for the time agency. They were so proud of me. The face of Bo, they called me. Doctor and Martha look at each other, and Shaq just skips off into the night, and they're like, wait. <laughs> What? So it is heavily implied, pretty much guaranteed, that Jack Harkness is the face of Bo, which it kind of makes sense if you think about it, because if you can never die and you're alive for a bajillion, bajillion years, but you're still aging, I mean, eventually, I guess, yeah, you're going to somehow devolve into like. But how did his head get so big? I know his head's big now. But I don't know. How did his head get it's so very, big? It's very weird, but it's so fucking cool. <laughs> it's like, it's not something you would expect. And then it just they just say it so casually, and then Jack's like, okay, bye. <laughs> it's like, wait, are we not going to address this? Is this just done? <laughs> and then, um, of course... Martha, because this whole fucking season, she's been pining for the doctor. She's like, I should leave because this is not healthy for me. So I'm going to go, which is probably the right decision. So I respected Martha for that. <laughs> and eventually things work out for her just fine. And she does come back and, you know, visit and say hello, which is nice. Yeah, she does friends <clears throat> to destroy the world at some point. Well, you know, don't make it sound so sinister, all right? She was trying to save the fucking universe. Relax there, <laughs> okay? But before we move on to season four, I really do want to talk about this couple of episodes in season three that really were, like, devastatingly tear-jerking. This was another couple episodes that I was kind of dreading watching because it just made me sad. <laughs> In this episode, the doctor basically decides he's going to hide himself, hide his time lordiness by taking out his time lordiness and putting all of that energy into this pocket watch. And he says to Martha, I'm not going to know who I am. I'm going to think I'm a human. So we're going to settle on some fucking place and I'm going to think I'm somebody else and you just have to like watch out for me and make sure I don't leave you or yeah. do anything stupid. Yeah, wait for like three weeks and then like tell me to open the watch. <laughs> right. So that's all well and good. Um, but then what ensues <laughs> is like the most devastating fucking thing. So he thinks he's human. He's calling himself John Smith and he's working as a teacher i believe in this like boys yeah. school yeah like this, boy this boys prep like school yeah and he falls in love with the nurse who's uh whose name is joan redfern hello Ooh, nurse and it's so cute they just have like the cutest old-timey romance and they fall in love but then the bad guys that the doctor was supposedly hiding from they come and find the doctor and martha's like trying to convince the doctor to be the doctor again but then they lose the watch and hijinks ensue and it's madness once he realizes that he's actually the doctor and that his human self isn't real it's so devastating because he's like just crying he's like i just want to stay and martha's like if you stay then all these people are gonna die at one point john smith says to martha he's like why would he do this did it not occur to him that like i might be happy here and i might find love with someone and she's like I guess not. And he's like, and that's who you want me to become? And it's like, oh, it's so sad. But then he eventually does decide to kind of give up his human self and bring the doctor back. The doctor does come back. He saves the day. A bunch of people have died. And he tries to go back to the nurse and be like, come with me. 
And she says no. Because she's like, you're not him. You're not him. And you're the reason all these fucking people are dead. Yeah. It's really sad because it kind of brings home the fact to the audience as well as the doctor himself. Like, I could never really have a love like John Smith had because of being the doctor and just who I am and what I have to do. Well, <laughs> another reason we bring up this episode, because yes, we bring up the, the timepiece to watch. With the master, we, we have no idea. Like, it seems like a normal thing. that He's trying to save these people, send them off of this dying planet. And he's working with the scientist. And then the scientist pulls out a pocket watch. And you're like, oh, shit. And, and it's the same kind of watch that the doctor had when he was being John Smith. So it's like it all. That's why I like this whole season. Because it very expertly kind of places little clues throughout the whole season. And it all converges to this one point where the master returns. I'm glad that I rewatched this because I think my first time watching it, I was so overshadowed by my pissed offness that Rose was gone that I didn't really acknowledge how good season three was. Yeah, there's a lot of random things that are a lot of fun in season three. And yeah, Marfa does a good job. Also, I did laugh because there's a bunch of times where I wrote, wow, the doctor gets around because he's got this, this nurse. At one point, the Queen of France is in love with him. Oh, yeah, The Girl in the Fireplace in yes. season two. That's when you really started getting into the show, I feel like. Yeah, that was a really good episode with, like, the clockwork people, which is also a great design for characters. Yeah, there was a lot of good character design throughout Doctor Who. I feel like the character design is usually really well done, but it's some of the effects were sometimes lacking. But yeah, the, the, even then, it would kind of work because of what Doctor Who used to be. Because if you look at OG Doctor Who, like in the 60s, 70s, it's very like makeshift. So it kind of like is an homage to that, if you want to look at it that way. Yeah, but even still, you look at things like the the blob who was absorbing people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that did not look good. No. No. <laughs> so, I guess now we can move on to season four. I guess we can move on to I fucking just... Donna. Oh my god, don't be so mean. So now we get to season four. And in season four, we get reintroduced to Donna. Yes. Even though we don't love Donna, I like Donna. I feel like you don't even like Donna. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, but I, I like Donna. I liked her less on my rewatch, but I still liked Donna fine. I think I was building to starting to like Donna. Like I was like, I was turning the corner. Uh-huh. I was like about to turn that corner. And then the season and, ended. And then the big bus came in and smacked you in the face where you're like, oh, Donna's the linchpin of the entire Doctor Who universe. That without Donna, the entire Doctor Who universe goes to hell. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to get there, guys. So what I will say, though, in Donna's defense, I think it was refreshing. After dealing with the Dr. Rose romantic saga and then moving on to the sad wah-wah-wah romantic saga that was Martha and the Doctor, I feel like it was refreshing to just have a season with them and like they're just friends and there's no romantic anything going on. <laughs> It's just two buddies traveling the universe. Which is fine. I'm okay with that. It was refreshing. It's just, you get into these things and Donna just, 
Oh my god, Donna, just shut the fuck up. That I mean, that's her thing. I think the fact that she is meant to be comic relief, it does work sometimes. You know, she is funny, but I think sometimes it's overdone to the point where, oh, I'm just going to shout and say funny things in a loud voice, and that's funny. Ah, and it's like, oh my god. Oi, watch it, Space Man. Oi, watch it, Earth Girl. Like, we talked about the first episode where she comes back. The introduction of them pointing at each other is hilarious. Because neither of them are speaking. <laughs> it's all mimey. <laughs> but, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> Alonzi. <laughs> yeah, season four. There's some really good episodes in season four. But I liked the fact that it ended with making Donna the linchpin i i'm sorry because her whole thing throughout the season is i'm literally nobody i'm some random girl i'm a fucking temp like there's nothing special about me at all and the doctor's like no you're the most important person in the whole universe like you don't get it <laughs> yeah but uh, i get it that they say it but it felt so unearned especially after the fucking pompeii episode this fucking pompeii episode we keep bringing up because it's just her just screaming at the doctor to save people. And they end up saving this one, uh, Peter Capaldi's original family. You don't know if that would change the course of history by saving this family. Right. What if Peter Capaldi ended up birthing the next Hitler? Like, you don't know that. <laughs> but I don't know if it says anything about how Don was being perceived or if this was already planned. But... Martha does come back for three episodes. It was nice to see Martha, though, like, kind of unconnected to the Doctor, but still helping out. Like, she's kind of over him at this point. Well, she's engaged to somebody else, which, by the way, goes nowhere, because by the end of the goddamn season, she's married to Mickey. So I don't know what happened to her mysterious fiancé, but... <laughs> well, he was an unavailable Doctor. Ah, there you go. But, yeah, no, I, I like that she got with Mickey at the end. Just saying. Mickey was Because just... they were both kind of discarded, if you think about it. And then they found love. Yeah, but Mickey's just Mickey. Mickey's fucking... Mickey, see, you do not give Mickey his due. <laughs> Mickey, again, like so many other companions, is just like a normal bloke. And he's... <laughs> bloke. He's, he's absconded on this adventure, initially just to be with Rose, because he is dating Rose and he loves Rose. But then he realizes, oh, wait, she's clearly in love with this doctor. I can't really compete with a time-traveling alien. I should just go. <laughs> Which probably, again, right decision. And then he kind of becomes a hero in his own right. Uh, what do you mean? He comes back to save Rose from the Daleks. He becomes a member of UNIT, which is like a militarized government facility that is created to fight extraterrestrial threats and whatnot he joins unit with martha and then they fall in love and they get married it's a fucking tale as old as time okay shut up leave mickey alone <laughs> it's a tale as old as time is it okay they were telling that back in the 1800s <laughs> they were they fucking were <laughs> shut up so we get some great episodes here we get uh an episode called the doctor's daughter where we meet jenny yeah okay i uh, love jenny okay this episode was great and to find out at the very end because i asked frankie yeah 
does Jenny come back? And I was like, nope. And I'm like, how the fuck do you introduce this character and you don't take advantage of that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, apparently she had like comic books and spinoff things. Like she had a spinoff audio series, like a radio drama. Yeah, but no, she never came back on the show. And what's funny is three years after this episode with David Tennant meeting Jenny and her dying, spoiler alert, uh, but I mean, he's she's not technically his daughter. She's kind of like a clone. clone. But anyway, he looks at her as his daughter. And the actress that plays her ended up marrying David Tennant three years later. I don't know if they met filming the episode, but I just thought that was really funny. And the actress, Georgia Tennant, is also the daughter of the actor that played the fifth doctor. Ah. So it all comes together, guys. It all comes together. But yeah, it definitely was a shame that they never brought her back. It but, just would have made so much sense. And then we get a really great episode, which is one of my favorite episodes. I would definitely put it in my top 10, uh, Midnight. I think I've realized that one of the reasons why it's my favorite episode is because Donna's not in it, and it's just the Doctor. <laughs> of course, because Donna's not in the goddamn episode. I know. I said it, okay? Leave me alone. So... <laughs> It's kind of like a bottle episode, which I, I love a good bottle episode in any show. So basically, it's a bunch of people on a plane, including the doctor. And there's this creature that possesses one of the passengers and is, for lack of a better way to describe it, stealing people's voices. And he steals the doctor's voice and basically is like holding him captive in a way. And it's just so it's like such the simplest concept. There's no crazy prosthetics. There's no big, scary, ugly monster. It's just people. The other passengers are like turning on each other. Then they're trying to throw the doctor off the fucking plane because they think the creatures possessed him. It's like, it's so, it's like, and then there were none, but in space on a plane. Mankind is the real monster. Yeah. It's so rare that you see the doctor like genuinely just helpless. And in that episode, he is he's fucked basically oh yeah and it ends up that like really two of the passengers who like have caught on to what's really going on end up kind of saving the day but it's really it's a good fucking bottle episode and it's one of the scariest ones which is crazy because yeah. again no big scary monster in it at all so yeah that that's probably some of my favorite stuff in doctor who in general when it's not like a big scary oogie boogie monster you know because sometimes those are scary too like the weeping angels are pretty scary and some of the more quiet monsters are really the more scary ones like the cybermen and daleks they're probably the biggest villains throughout doctor who in general but they're not really that scary no they're kind of just hunks of metal that talk funny (laughs) and kill things um, but I mean, all of them kill things. That doesn't really distinguish it from anything else. <laughs> well, the Dalek's whole line is exterminate. exterminate. <laughs> but yeah, shit gets really real when we get to not the finale, like David Tennant's finale. That shit gets real too, but in a more, I have a headache because I'm crying so much. Before that, we get the last three episodes, basically, of the main season. That's where shit gets real as far as the fucking universe. <laughs> So basically, the Doctor and Donna are traveling along, having a grand old time, and this alien approaches Donna and is trying to, like, basically fuck with timelines, because why not? So the alien makes it so the Doctor never meets Donna, 
and it creates an alternate timeline where the doctor actually ends up dying and this is where rose officially pops back up to visit donna as the world slowly but surely becomes shittier and shittier because the doctor's not around anymore donna eventually does go with rose to try and save the world even though rose warns her like listen if you come with me you're gonna die just putting it out there doctor who does that too occasionally they do every now and then pronounce like oh someone's gonna die right, yeah they did it with rose that one pissed me off though right well yeah with rose like the finale of season two opened with a narration from rose saying this is the story of how i died and i'm like <laughs> you don't really die bitch shut the fuck up well because then at the end when she's transported into another dimension the doctor goes oh yeah you're on the wall you're basically you're dead in your universe i'm like that's bullshit ah uh, but is it that's is it bullshit <laughs> But anyway, the alternate timeline version of Donna goes back in time and she has to get her original self to change directions and meet the doctor. So in order to do that, she's basically her original self is driving in a car. and She's got to go left instead of right. So the alternate timeline, Donna is like, oh, OK, I don't know how else to do this. So I'm just going to throw myself in front of this truck and kill myself. <laughs> to make a little bit of traffic so my old self will turn left and close the paradox of there being two donnas yes are you sure it's a good idea sure but the fucking most important thing that happens is rose as alternate timeline donna is dying in the road she walks up to donna and is like tell the doctor this two words tell him bad wolf and that's how he fucking knows that rose is alive and she's coming back and because he realizes that if Rose is coming back, that means that the walls between different universes are crumbling, then that means that the universe is in trouble. Yes, because the Daleks are stealing planets. So the Daleks' master plan is to steal all these planets, and they're like, we're going to use this to destroy the universe, because that's what we do. And, of course, the gang's all here. We got Martha. We got Sarah Jane. We got Jack. And he's running Torchwood. The Doctor and Donna are trying to figure out what the fuck to do. And the Doctor and Rose have the most beautiful of reunions. So good. They start running into each other's arms. And then, of course, right before the Doctor is shot. And we think he's going to regenerate. But they kind of fake us out with that. Yes, his hand... Yes, remember the hand? The severed hand? Absorbs all the energy and allows David Tennant to stick around. We meet Davros, who is the creator of the Dalek species. And the episode kind of comes to a head where Davros has the Doctor locked up. And Davros shows the Doctor what has become of all of his quote-unquote children of time, meaning all of his companions. Because Martha is saying, listen, I'm going to blow Earth up. Like, literally blow Earth up and destroy your fucking plan, Davros, if you don't fucking leave these planets alone. And Jack is with Mickey and Sarah Jane. He's like, listen, I'm going to fucking take this bomb and blow up the ship if you don't fucking leave. And Rose is, like, all excited. She's like, oh, great. We're holding them ransom. This is good. And then the doctor looks all sad. And Davros is like, see what you've done to your children of time? You've turned them into murderers. Think of all the people that have died for you, doctor. And it's like... The doctor kind of thinks about like, yeah, I've saved a lot of people, I guess. But like, look at all the bad things that have happened because of me. And it's it's kind of a sad moment. But then, of course, Donna comes in and saves the day. But she got trapped in the TARDIS and it was being destroyed. 
And in order to kind of save the day, she uses, of course, the severed fucking hand, the fucking MacGuffin of the Doctor Who series, to basically recreate a second Doctor. But because of the fucking timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff that happened when Donna tries to tap into that energy from the hand she took on some time lord energy so she's part time lord now and the new doctor that was created is half human now he's only got one heart that is so important for later i'm gonna get there so donna and the two doctors save the fucking day the world is saved la da da life is good who cares about that so <laughs> we go back to rose's alternate universe She's like, wait, no, I came to find you. Now you just want me to leave? And he's like, I want you to take, stay with him. Take this, doctor. He has all my memories. Yes, he has all my memories. He's basically me when we first met. You made me a better person. Rose is like, but he's not you. He needs you. That's very me. And then the best fucking part is when she's standing in between the two of them. She asks him to finish the fucking sentence that he said fucking two seasons ago. She says, what's the last thing you said to me? And the original doctor's like, I said, Rose Tyler. And she's like, yeah, what else were you going to say? And he's like, oh, does it need saying? I'm like, really, bitch? And then she turns to the human doctor and she's like, well, what did I, what was I going to say? And then he whispers it in her ear. We don't even get to fucking hear it. I was so pissed when I watched that. I'm like, you can't just, you can't just let him say it nope, out loud so nope. we can hear it. Nope. Really? Nope. Okay, fine. Whatever. Nope. I'll just suffer in silence. <laughs> so they kiss. It's beautiful. They're together now. And the doctor leaves kind of sad. But yes. The Doctor now has a human form with Rose, and they get to live. So the Doctor now has to get a social security number. It's yeah, really... it's kind of weird how, like, this is going to work. We don't need to think about the logic, dear, okay? We just need to think about the love. <laughs> What's he going to do for a job? I don't know. He'll work for Unit, probably. <laughs> Doesn't matter. They're in love. Anyway, you think it's kind of going to end on that sort of kind of high note. But then... Donna sort of starts short-circuiting and the doctor tells her like there's never been a human that has taken on time lord energy like this before like you, it, your brain can't handle it so and she starts crying and she's like I don't want to go back don't make me go back and he wipes her memory and that's the end of Donna in the Doctor Who fun time traveling band I just want to know how you felt about that did you feel emotions? Did you feel sadness, Scott? Do you have a soul? <laughs> yes, in a way, yeah. I, I did feel sad about it. But it's not the same as if you really cared about a character. I guess. Like, I, I'm sad, but I get more sad the next episode. Because then the Doctor does kind of go on a mini-adventure with her grandfather, who Yay. I wanted to be the true companion, because I liked him better. Well... We had a whole thing about her grandfather who did run into the doctor previously. Yeah, that's what you said. You're like, I kind of just wanted him to be the new companion, them to go on adventures together. I'm like, on paper, that sounds nice. But also, like, he's an old, old man. Like, he can't go running around just and give me a TV being movie, chased then. by aliens. Give me, like, one TV movie. Well, you got one. It was the end. Give me one other one. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> So now after all of this, after all of these many much feels, we get to 
the big finish with David Tennant as the doctor. Now, Scott, going into the big finale, tell me, how are you feeling? <laughs> I was excited because I'm like, okay, I know this is it. Where is our timeline going? And then we bring back the master. He he comes back and he, of course, has a evil master plan. Which goes slightly wrong. Yes. Basically, the episode opens with the doctor going to see Wilfred. And he tells him that there is a prophecy predicting the doctor's death. He says that supposedly he will hear four knocks before he dies. This whole fucking twofer episode is full of tears okay he sees donna walking by the window of some cafe and wilfred's like have you have you been alone this whole time like since donna left and he's like yeah and crying talking about her like i can't give her her memories back she can't remember me and it's like oh it's so sad but basically the master he somehow comes upon this broken down alien technology but he turns it into this device that can replicate his dna basically and turn all of the humans on earth into him yes the doctor and wilfred escape in the salvage ship and they have like the sweetest chat if you didn't already know that the doctor was going to die by the end of this it's pretty obvious because he just keeps having these like really almost prophetic moments with people like like wilfred says a line he's like we must look like ants to you and the doctor goes to me you look like giants and i'm like oh it's so sad stop it yeah it is really like they have a connection because they both were once fighters in war right so it's it's just a really great connection between the two and wolf is crying saying like he doesn't want the doctor to die and he takes out his gun and he tries to give the doctor his gun and the doctor refuses to take it because he quite infamously throughout the series at least up to this point doesn't use guns but that changes when he finds out that the lord president of the time lords played by timothy dalton who has a very booming and threatening voice yes he sends this gallifreyan star down to earth to make a connection to the master and get to planet earth so apparently gallifrey and the time lords were locked in this place in time at the end of the time war and they basically want to use the master to try and weasel their way out of this time lock and bring back gallifrey so the doctor upon hearing all of this gets freaked the fuck out and he decides to actually take wolf's gun and go down back to Earth to meet up with the Master yes, he crashes, and the Time Lords. He crashes through a glass ceiling, and it's going to be really fucking bad. There's this really emotional scene. The Doctor has Wolf's gun, and he keeps going back and forth between shooting the Master and shooting the Lord President of the Time Lords to try to break this connection so the time lords and gallifrey will leave because once the time lords come back they start bringing back the whole planet of gallifrey which is overshadowing the earth completely and like fucking with everybody everyone starts running around screaming ah chaos ensues and actually wolfred because one of the scientists or whatever that are working on the machine is stuck in the control room so wolfred unlocks the door and lets him out but then he gets locked in himself and that, that will come back later in a very sad, sad way. 
What a shock. But anyway, the doctor eventually, at the peak of this high-intensity moment, decides not to shoot either one of them, but he shoots the Gallifreyan star, which looks a lot like a big diamond. (laughs) And he shoots the diamond, and shit goes crazy. And the Lord President goes to kill the doctor, and the doctor's kind of like bracing himself for it because he thinks that this is how it's going to happen. This is how I'm going to die. And the master kind of just goes, get out of the way. And he attacks the Lord President as they all disappear and go off into the pots unknown. <laughs> it's a really, 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 really intense moment. And it's made more intense by the score, by the fact that the doctor, this is the first time really that we've seen the doctor be in such like a violent and and war intense state like i've i don't think before this we've ever seen him holding a gun no we haven't at least not tenants doctor yeah so after all of that we kind of have like a silent moment with david tennant and he kind of he actually thinks he like beat the prophecy for a second like you see the relief on his face and then all of a sudden you hear I remember when I watched that, like my heart sunk. I was like, oh my God, what? What? Who, who's knocking? <laughs> what happened? And then he, it pans over to Wolf in the control room and he's knocking on the door. And it's like, oh fuck. And then you realize like, oh, because of all the craziness that happened with this machine, this alien tech or whatever, all this radiation is about to be flooded into this control room and it's going to kill Wolf. So the doctor realizes I have to save Wilfred. Wilfred. By taking on all this radiation. And Wilfred is crying and trying to get him to just leave. He's like, I'm an old man. I've lived my life. And this is one of the most, if not the most, intense fucking speech that the doctor's ever given. I'm an old man, doctor. I've had my time. Well, exactly. Look at you. Not remotely important. But me? I could do so much more. So much more! But this is what I get. My reward. But it's not that! He knows that Wilfred did the right thing by saving the other guy. Right, of course. He, he looks at him, he's like, why did it have to be you? But then once he saves Wilfred and he drops him off at home, he's like, uh, it's starting, so I gotta go. I, and Wilfred's like, well, where are you gonna go? He's like, don't worry, I'll be back. I'll see you one more time. Yep. And then he goes off and he goes to say his goodbyes. And um, this is a lot, <laughs> guys. First, he goes to see Martha and Mickey, and we realize that they're married. And then he goes to see Sarah Jane and her son. Wait, she saves her son from being run over by a car. Yeah, and he for a second, though, he saves the son, and then he goes to walk back to the TARDIS. I'm like, wait, are you not going to say bye to Sarah Jane? I forgot. And then she comes out, and he waves to her. And I'm like, okay, but it's it's hard for him to just say, like, to say he doesn't really say anything to anybody he just stands there and leaves he goes to visit jack in a bar he goes to visit the nurse from when he was john smith her ancestor who looks just like her which i found interesting that he didn't go to see her he went to go see her ancestor and he asked her was she happy in the end i guess because he didn't really have the guts to go face her after what he did well Maybe, I also thought maybe it's because he is running on limited life force that maybe going all the way back, he might not have time. Yeah, I guess. But then he goes to see Donna at her wedding, 
and he salutes Wolf as he's, of course, crying again because Wolf. <laughs> and then last but not least, he goes to see Rose right before she meets the doctor for the first time. And he's like, you know what? I think you're going to have a really great year. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't take this. It's too much. But I love that he went to see her last. Yeah. And then he goes and kind of like hobbles into the TARDIS. We have just like this silent time with the doctor and the TARDIS. And he starts regenerating. And then the last thing he says, guys, <laughs> guys. Yeah, this one was rough. The most memorable fucking line probably in the fucking show's history. Fight me about it. I don't care. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but in my mind, I'm right. He just looks so sad and so pleadingly at really no one. And he's just like, I don't want to go. And then he fucking regenerates into Matt Smith and shit goes crazy from there. But just that like silent time with him just alone in the TARDIS. And there was no words, no nothing, because he's just reflecting on all of his time as the doctor. And then he's just gone. And he doesn't want to go. <laughs> he doesn't want to go, Scott. He doesn't want to go. <laughs> oh, emotionally, it's too much for me, I must admit. This was the one that I was, like, least looking forward to watching again because I knew I'm, like, getting fucking... My voice is breaking right now talking about it. I don't like this. It's making me sad. Yeah. It, it, it's rough. It is rough. I got hooked on tenant and i'm like I'm, exactly i'm like yeah. okay i'm like i knew it was coming it still sucks and you know what not for nothing but like eventually i did come around to matt smith and right when i started to really like matt smith he of course regenerated so uh, that just happens i guess they don't want to be typecasted no i totally get it listen i totally get it you can't have not everyone can be jensen ackles and jared padalecki staying on the same show for 15 fucking years playing the same character I get it. I ain't mad at you, but I miss David Tennant so much. As someone who's seen the show before, that was my kind of reaction to his quote-unquote death slash regeneration. How, how were you really feeling in that moment? Were you more sad and pissed off that he left, or were you excited for Matt Smith? Well, no, I I, I don't know Matt Smith, so I, I didn't really focus on him at all. I was sad because, you know, I had bought into tenant mm -hmm. and i have bought into his character and everything he kind of was doing and his whole his whole personality and how he does things yeah so that is our kind of retrospective on doctor who as both a returning viewer and a, a first-time viewer scott are you interested in continuing or are you kind of good um I i'm interested in continuing to see like where they go from here but if I never did, I would be fine. I I will probably will watch the Matt Smith. Yeah, we'll see if we'll maybe we'll do an episode on the Matt Smith tenure. Maybe we won't. We'll see. We'll kind of feel it out maybe. But um, yeah, that was another venture for us here at Shoot the Flick into TV land. We had a good time with it, I think. Yes, we definitely did. Uh, if you guys want us to tackle any other TV shows, let us know. Yes, but uh, next week, we're going to go back to our monthly series. We're going to watch another Indiana Jones picture, Temple of Doom, Doom. which means there's going to be lots of girly screaming 
and lots of short round, which one of those things is good and one of them is not so good. But <laughs> until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Spots. I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our Hat Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. Make sure you come back next week for our adventurous, exciting movie adventure. I'm quite brilliant, you know. Sure you are, dear. Sure you are. Gotta get back in time.